Welcome to the Fox Sports Florida Miami Heat podcast. I'm your host, Surya Fernandez, and joining me one more time is Sun Sentinel reporter Ira Winderman. Uh, there's a lot to discuss, uh, Ira. How's it going? It's going good, and I guess the lesson is that there's really no slow off-seasons in the NBA, whether you're in the playoffs, whether you're in the lottery, whether you're just looking ahead to free agency. I guess all NBA seasons, to a degree, are 12 months a year, as we're quickly learning. <laughs> yeah, and, and okay, so... Uh, we know we have. There's a lot of Heat fans out there uh, worried with uh, with Thursday night's uh, bombshell. But what exactly is going on with regards to the contract negotiations between Dwayne Wade and, and the Miami Heat? Well, I, I think the words you use there are a lot better than some of the words being thrown around, and that's contract negotiations. And the reality is this: when you have negotiations, you are always at an impasse until you have a new deal. Right. So Dwayne Wade right now has the option by the end of June to opt out, become a free agent, negotiate in free agency, or to come up with an extension or a new deal in the interim. Where we stand right now is Dwayne Wade is not in agreement on contract figures, contract length, contract amount with the Miami Heat, and that's how June will play out to see where that stands. On one hand, I don't see this as a crisis. I see it as normal negotiations. When you look at it, it makes all the sense in the world for Dwayne to opt out just to cover himself with one more year in his contract before 2016 free agency in case something comes up injury-wise. On the other hand, he knows that Dwayne gave up a bunch of money when the thought was he was going to play with LeBron James, Mm -hmm. which no longer is the case now with LeBron headed to the NBA Finals. So I think when you look at the whole situation, this really is just a posturing that normally takes place behind the scenes. But when you have a very public team, and a very public player, things tend to become very public. Okay, but but then if that's the case, then why did Wade's agent, uh, Henry Thomas, speak out to the media with you about the situation? What, what does Wade gain from this at this early point in the negotiations? Oh, I, I think what he gains is just perspective. That when people hear, Dwayne Wade is negotiating with the Heat. Dwayne mm-hmm. Wade might opt out of his contract. There won't be this sort of sky-is-falling feeling. There won't be this feeling of, hey, Dwayne Wade is quitting on the Heat, giving up on the Heat. Or, or, honestly, the contrast that the Miami Heat are giving up on a franchise mainstay who they eventually will retire his jersey one day. So I, I think from Henry Thomas, when I spoke to him, he was very sort of, you know, take a deep breath, let's sit back, let's work on this. I really like what he kept stressing through my interview with him, and that was there still is plenty of time with this. Let's face it. Last summer, the way things played out with LeBron James was a bombshell. He opted right. out in late June. In the early days of July, the assumption was he was returning back, and then July 11th, it all changed, really within a two-week time frame. What Henry Thomas is saying is, we have more than a full month before the opt-out deadline, and then we have all the time we would possibly need in July to work something out in free agency. So I think what he's saying is, yes, the word is out there that Dwayne is talking to the Heat. Yes, that is correct. But yes, we also can have an ability to make this thing work. Okay, so then what, what does Wade really want, and, and what does Ry- Pat Riley want, and what would be a good compromise that is fair to both well, parties? Well, that, that's good. I'm, I'm glad you phrased in those things. What Dwayne Wade <laughs> wants clearly is the financial security of what might be his final NBA contract, mm-hmm. not to have to worry that if something goes wrong injury-wise in the ne- sometime during next season or near future, that all of a sudden he's out the money he left on the table. Mm-hmm. That makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. What the Heat want is the flexibility to be able to sign Goran Dragic, maybe bring back... Luol Dang this summer, 
had the financial freedom to bring back Hassan Whiteside in 2016 free agency and also possibly add another free agent or two, basically remain as a winning team, not take the dive that the Lakers did when Kobe got his money and it all sort of went south and they had to rebuild. So you have that backdrop in place. What's the compromise? I think the compromise is multiple years for Dwayne Wade where he gets all the money he would have had if he didn't opt out and, and work with the Heat in the 2014 offseason, but also that provides the Heat enough flexibility to have Drogic and Bosch and Wade and Whiteside and one other supporting player also in place in 2016, which also would be possible for multiple years for Dwayne. If it's a three- or even a four-year deal or something like that, they can work out. So basically, I think what's happening now is Pat Riley's hand and timetable is being pushed up. That Dwayne Wade said, I waited in 2010, we got LeBron and Chris, that was awesome. I put things off in 2014 because you had LeBron and Chris to worry about and bring in Luol Dang. I understand that also. But I'm not so sure I want to wait one more year or two more years to see how this plays out. And I think for Dwayne Wade, you can respect that also. I don't think Dwayne Wade is looking for anything close to Kobe Bryant money. But what he is looking for is a career-ending financial assurity. Right, and, and Wade took less money last year, um, and he took less money in 2010 uh, compared to, to what LeBron James and, and Chris Bosh uh, signed up for. Uh, so, so I see Wade's you know, side of this, that you know, he wants more security and all that, but given his injury history, does it really make sense for the Heat to commit more money and more years to him? Oh, well, and that's the other part of this, and that's what I've sort of said. I, when you look at Dwayne Wade's contract, you can say it might even be under market for a player who produced the numbers he did this past season, for a player who has given the Heat, helped them win three championships. But, and this is to your point, on a per-game basis, having missed 20 games this past season, a quarter of the schedule, you can make an argument that Dwayne Wade's $14 million contract or $16 million contract or maybe even a $12 million contract on a per-game basis would be commensurate with the exact money that Dwayne wants. Now (laughs) the question becomes, could Pat Riley, Dwayne Wade, and Henry Thomas sit in a room and come up with a formula that not only gives Dwayne the money he wants, but gets the heat the games they need? And that's where it's really interesting. Do you put something in a sense of clause in his contract? that if you play this number of games, or even per game, you get this additional money. Or the question I sort of throw back at you, does that then have Dwayne playing in games he shouldn't be playing? Mm. Does that have Dwayne really not able to help the team, but going to Eric Spolster, look, I've got this bonus, or not even saying it that way, (laughs) that I've got to be able to play today when maybe he wouldn't be at 100%. That's the real crux of this. How many Dwayne made light games are you going to get out of Dwayne Wade at this point in his career? Is is there any possibility, did Thomas say, that maybe Wade would just simply opt in and, and stay for that $16 million for one more year and then, uh, you know, kind of uh, just do these negotiations next season? You know, I originally thought that when I talked to Dwayne at the end of the season when they had their, their season-ending meeting, that that would be assumption I left the building with. But almost as soon as I got home, I started thinking, Why should he do that? Why shouldn't he at least say, look, Pat, I'll work with you. Mm -hmm. Let's take the money I have coming next year, which would be if he opted in to $60 million, and let's tack on another option here for another $16, $17 million just in case I get injured. Then next June, let's you and I sit down, see how the season went with Whiteside and with Rodgers in training camp for the first time, with Rodgers playing for the first time with Chris Bosh, and then we can say, okay, 
Show me what you want to do in 2016 free agency. That you want to give Hassan Whiteside this amount of money and also bring in this player, and then we can talk about a deal, and I'll simply opt out of my deal like I did in 2014 when the plan was to bring back LeBron James. I think that's totally reasonable. Could that put Pat Riley in a tough spot? Could Dwayne Wade say, nope, on second thought, I'm going to keep my option for 2016, 2017? That's what compromise is about in negotiations. That's why this whole sky is falling feeling. This doesn't have the feeling of LeBron. LeBron always had other landing spots at his price point. We knew that last summer. We knew that Cleveland at least could be a factor with Dan Gilbert flying down to South Florida. We knew that was possible. Mm -hmm. I don't think with Dwayne Wade, honestly, and maybe you could disagree, that there's another team out there at 33 years old without Dwayne having the history who would say yes. Come to our team for $20 million for two or three years, or even 15 or 18 for two or three years in a $40 million plus deal. I'm not so sure that Dwayne really isn't negotiating against himself, and that in the end, this just doesn't have to turn into good faith negotiations. Yeah, and I think just Heat fans are, are just a little extra sensitive from what happened last summer. Uh, but. Uh, okay, so so Wade is 33, uh, and there's a, a complication with the collective bargaining agreement. There's a, such a thing as the over 36 rule. Um, what What is that exactly? Would that affect Wade's next contract? It, it would that in any years you get over 36 on a, on a multi-year contract, that money gets averaged back. So in other words, after year 36, let's say you're making $15 million that year. Well, that money would be averaged into the previous salary for this reason. It prevents teams from giving a five-year deal to an older player knowing that at 36, 37, 38, they're not really going to be getting worth their money, but you're just putting the money off in the future. That is sort of a late payment to average out the salary. There were so many CBA facts in place. Also, the fact that you could only raise or decline a salary by a certain percentage a year. Mm -hmm. So a whole bunch of people have been asking me, well, why don't they just give Dwayne million, $30 million next year and $5 million for the next two? Still gets him to $40 million? Well, you can't do that. You have to go up or down by equal raises in a contract. So whatever your starting point is, that sets up the rest of the contract. So there's a lot of moving parts in all of this. That's why I think this came out. That's why I think it, it became a point with Dwayne. This is not going to be simple, and there'll be rumors and talk of me sitting down with Pat Riley and discussing where it sits. That's why Henry Thomas very rarely does an agent do that, say, yes, we're in the middle of these talks. This is really high math. This is the type of complex math I never wanted to get involved with, so I became a sports writer instead. And now all of a sudden, it's the kind of math you have to realize also is in play. <laughs> and, and, and speaking of age, uh, Wade is 33, Dragic is 29, Bosch is uh, 31, I think he turned 31 two months ago, and, and Deng had his 30th birthday last month. Isn't that a lot of money tied up to older players? And you know, if Wade gets what he wants, how will they be able to fit in a new contract for Whiteside next year without his bird rights? Well, I mean, that's the thing. You'll have to, with all the math, when the cap shoots up into the $80 million range, say we have to put aside 16 to $20 million of open or open up bowl money. There's two different things. You can have the space put aside and work with it, or you can say, hey, when we get to that hurdle, we can always move Josh McRoberts for a draft pick or something like that. Right. Some of the money we have for longer term on our roster, we can make, we can put that in play also. Almost always, if you tack in a draft choice or for the Heat, maybe a second-round pick, you can lose that money and create the space. But you're right. You have to put the money aside for Whiteside. As far as older players, and I've gotten this from a bunch of people, whether it's about Luol Dang, about Chris Bosh, or even about Rodgers, and I always say this. Forget the age and look at how they're playing. 
Is Chris Bosh still a productive player? Well, until his illness this season, especially early when he got a player of the week early in the season, he showed that he is still capable of his age. Clearly, Gorn is just two years removed from being third-team All-NBA. So don't say, oh, he's getting older, he's not the same player. Right. No, he still was respected enough that there's a market out there for him if the Heat don't move in free agency. And even Luan Deng, he put up his career numbers last year. The Heat struggled, but I think he's one of the last reasons why that happened. So, again, if you have a player like Dwayne Wade, you have to have him on a team that can win now. You don't want to waste these last few years of his career. So if Dwayne Wade comes back, he is coming back to win. He knows he can't wait two or three years. I think that was the frustration this past season, to be at his age and to be on the sidelines and to be in the lottery and out of the playoffs. So he wants to avoid that also. I honestly find it hard to believe that Dwayne Wade would say, the heck with all of this. I want all my money. I don't care if I'm in the playoffs again. I think winning still means plenty to Dwayne Wade. Yeah, and, and Wade did have a great season. He missed 20 games, but he led the team in scoring. He led the team in, in assists. Uh, he was an efficient scorer. He he surpassed 40 points a pair of times. He was NBA Player of the Week near the end of the season. So, um, yeah, he, he has been playing well. Uh, but, um, you know, as far as his backcourt partner, how, how will this affect Dragic's contract negotiations? And, and is it better for the Heat to take care of Wade first before turning their attention to Dragic, or is it the other way around? Well, you know, as you know, one part always plays into the next part. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a very good question. Does Goran sit back and say, wait a minute, Dwayne's leaving? Maybe I should talk to the Lakers. Maybe I should talk to the Knicks. Maybe I should talk to someone else. I, I went there to play with Dwayne. And yet there's another side of it that says, if Gordon really talked to the Heat and says he wants to play more of a running game, is Dwayne really the best backcourt partner? Is he someone you can kick out the three-pointers? Well, we know that's not the case. Does he have a similar skill set? And honestly, at this point of his career, is Dwayne Wade? better in the half court than he is in the open court. So I think it plays both ways for Gorn. But the bottom line is he came here the way the deal worked out, the way he designated this is one of the teams he wanted to play for. You would have to believe it's because he wanted to play for Dwayne. So just like there could be so much concern about who you're going to be with or not, I think that he'd really need to reach resolution with Dwayne before it ever gets to critical mass with Goran Dragic. Yeah, and I, and I think they complemented each other fairly well, given the, the short amount of time they were able to play together. Um, but as far as the, um, the Heat situation with the luxury tax, let's say they re-signed Wade, Dragic, uh, Deng returns. How does that fit into you know the whole scheme of things, and how does that repeater tax fit into this in the long run? Well, again, that was the question people talked about with LeBron, and they didn't bring back Mike Miller, and they didn't want to get back in the tax, and I think lessons are learned from that. And if all this TV money really is coming in, and if you have to pay some tax, remember, the threshold will be sky high. The luxury tax threshold could be at the $100 million stage. Right. So you're talking about a really high threshold if you have to pay extra but I think that he realizes you don't get into the game with Goran Dragic and trade two future lottery picks. You don't commit to Hassan Whiteside, even with his impending free agency, unless you know that you are going to pay him. So I think at the end of the day, the luxury tax almost becomes ancillary to the process. They are committed to Dragic. They are committed clearly to Chris Bosh with the money they paid him. They are committed to McRoberts. They are committed to Whiteside. You know what? If that means you're committed to the tax... That's the math you worked out from the start. Right. I think that's the math you then have to learn to live with. And and you mentioned uh, Cobra Bryant a few minutes ago. Uh, Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Duncan, they've taken less money to help their teams out. But yeah, you also have a, a very lucrative contract extension that the Lakers gave to Kobe Bryant. 
do you see either of those type of scenarios playing out uh, with with this going on right now, or somewhere well, in the middle? The, the Nowitzki and the Duncan cases are very interesting because when you consider that situation with the two of them, they both were in situations that they were on perennial playoff teams. Yes, Dallas took a, a, a mild dip, but almost annually they at least get to the playoffs. We know mm-hmm. the Spurs at least annually always play for championship contention. So I think right now what Dwayne Wade needs to know is, if I'm going to go that route, which he will was willing to go in 2014, he has to know definitively that I am giving up the money at the cost of playing for a championship. That's why I think one year in an option makes the most sense. Pat Riley then has to be on the clock and prove to Dwayne Wade, yes, you were going to take less than you could get. Yes, you're going to be closer to Nowitzki and Duncan than to Kobe Bryant. But unlike Kobe, wallowing at the bottom of the lottery for a couple of years, I am going to get this team back in prime playoff position. That's perfect for Dwayne. Then he could say next June, okay, I'm opting out. What's the championship plan this time after we made the playoffs? But you know what? If there is another lottery finish, then shouldn't Dwayne Wade at least get his money if he's not getting his championship opportunity? Hmm. Yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. Uh, but but so why did why did Wade sign a two year contract uh, with a player option uh, for the final year last year if he uh, you know eventually wanted more long term security? Why do this now, because, not next year when there will be you know maybe a higher salary cap because of the new NBA's TV deal? Because of the patience and the common sense. The patience to see how it plays out from a winning situation, but the common sense to say each year I want at least one more year on my contract in case of an injury, and Dwayne certainly has a right to be concerned about that based on his history, based on the fact that you never know if the money will definitively be there or not. So if he opts out, he's not leaving. He's simply saying, okay, at least one more year. Let's get the money to my liking. I, I think in the NBA, what, what opting out and taking one-year deals with one-year options, like he did, like LeBron James did this year with Cleveland, right. it gives you the fiscal control of a two-year contract, but it also puts your team on the clock every single year that you can opt out. That's pretty shrewd, I think. And does this affect the Heat's plans for the for the upcoming draft or not? Uh, would they be less inclined to package the pick for a veteran be, because of salary cap concerns? Well, I, I think it's almost the opposite. I think salary cap concerns, you say, the great thing about a rookie-scale contract is you lock up someone for really low numbers going on, exactly. you know, going on early you know, in that situation. So I, I think when you look at a situation like that, you want to use the draft pick because of the very reasons you told me, because of the luxury tax, because of the impending salary. You trade that pick, which is hard to do cap-wise anyway, instead mm-hmm. of the salary, for a veteran, for someone who maybe could even become a free agent next year, all of a sudden you're back in the soup again. You get a guy who for four years is going to get a nice, roughly about a million-dollar contract. That's a real benefit. I mean, we've spoken about in previous podcasts some of the names, whether it's Kelly Oubre, whether it's Devin Booker, whether it's Sam Decker. You look at guys like that, they can help your team at a low cost. I think you might trade within the draft to get a different level of rookie scale, maybe trade up, maybe trade down. But I think for the very reasons that you mentioned before, the tax, the salary cap, impending free agency, paying other players, makes a lot of sense to keep the pick and not run up your salary scale also. All right, well... Thank you once again for uh, for for showing up and and trying to un- untangle some of this mess and and hopefully he fans can be talked out of uh, the ledge uh, and uh, exactly and, and... everyone <laughs> exhaled. There's a whole month of June. There's a starter free agency in July. I know what everyone went through last year with LeBron. Right. This is not of LeBron code red right now. I say 
Bold yellow. I say I put it right there. <laughs> All right. Well, well, we'll see what happens, and I'm sure we'll have a, a future podcast to discuss everything. Uh, thank you once again for, for joining us, and hopefully we can talk soon. Looking forward to it. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.